Hey Girl Talk family, it's your host Charlene, and today we have in studio Lynette Haley. Lynette is the Vice President of the Western Region for Wintrust Mortgage. Wintrust Mortgage is a division of Wintrust Financial. Today we're going to talk to Lynette, the mom and the successful businesswoman. So stay tuned. Hey Lynette. Hi, Charlene. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing really well. Welcome to Girl Talk. Thank you. I'm very happy to be here. Finally! Finally! finally our schedule's lined up and you were able to be here. I'm so glad you're here. Thank you. I am too. There's so much information that you have that I'm sure our audience needs to hear. Number one, because you are a working mom and a very successful working mom, and you figured out how to do this and raise two amazing boys and have a life of your own and be very successful in your business. So that's what I want to talk about today. Okay. Okay. So now you say, when I asked you about your title, you said, I'm a mom first, mm -hmm. and then I'm the vice president of the Western region of Win Trust Mortgage. And so I love that because your, your priorities are in order, right? You mm -hmm. didn't say, I'm this title first. You said, I'm a mom first, mm -hmm. right? So let's talk about your boys. Okay. Okay? So now you have two young men that call you mom. Yes. Brayden and Ben, yeah. right? Mm -hmm. And Ben, I was actually there when Ben was learning to walk, yes. right? Because yes, we've known are. each other that long. Yeah. How yeah. old is he now? 19. Oh, my goodness. And yeah, you, were, you and I used to sit and push him back and forth, yes. try to get him to walk. Exactly. And he, well, he's doing more than walking now. Yeah, that's right. That's amazing. So now, as a mom, when your children, when you, when you decided you wanted to not only have a successful career, but incorporate a family life in that, how did you go about doing that? Like, how did you decide, like, what you wanted to do as far as being a mom? How did you incorporate that into your successful work life? Interestingly enough, I don't think that I had the first clue uh, how all of that was going to go when I got pregnant. I know that when Ryan and I got married, we were both in agreement that we were going to have children. Yes. Um, the interesting thing about having children is you have no idea what it's going to be like because you've never done anything close to it before, anything close. That's Just, very true. And so it's a, it's a whole new journey. It's a whole new adventure. I went through my pregnancy having certain thoughts and expectations of what it was going to be like. And all I can say is from the moment Ben came out of me and I became a mom, my entire psyche, my physiology, my belief systems, what was important to me shifted. Okay. Because, you know, we brought a human life into the world yes. by choice, right? Yes. Um, and all of a sudden, he became our true north. Yes. So all decisions revolved around him and really, to some extent, still do. Mm -hmm. And it, it came very naturally. And it was an immediate equalizer. And one of the interesting things that it did for me is that prior to having Ben, 
there were certain things in my life that I would tolerate, certain yes. things in my life I'd spend time doing mm -hmm. that weren't necessarily always in my best interest. Okay. One of the amazing byproducts of having a child and being a working mom, and I, and I bet you a lot of people listening to this can relate to this, is you immediately get real crystal clear on what's important. Absolutely. Where you can spend your time. That's right. So what became unimportant to me was two-hour lunches, Mm -hmm. at the office for any reason. Yes. What became unimportant was um, people that weren't necessarily a positive contributor to my life. Yes. Um, just anything like that. TV had to go. Uh, some of my hobbies had to go. Golf. You know, I used to golf. Yes. It takes five hours to do 18 holes, two right. hours to get there, two hours to get home. That had to go. Right. Right. And, and, and gladly. It was okay. Mm -hmm. And so it just really kind of like a set of core values, not to make it sound overly clinical. It's just every single day it was like I had to be real clear on where I was going to spend my time and what was most important in my life. And the boys became that. Yes, absolutely. Because I saw that shift, that paradigm shift in you yeah. when your son was born. And then when Brayden showed up, you had it already like down to a science, yeah. right? So yeah. I when think... It's ironic though too that it... Uh, my concern when I had children was that I would become less productive at work. Uh -huh. And I, I, I really sincerely, I became more productive because I stopped wasting time. Yes, yes. I think as, as you know, career women and as moms, I think what you said in a nutshell is that you become crystal clear so your focus is different and all of the things that we used to waste time on that we didn't know we were wasting time on, it becomes crystal clear. Like, wait a minute. I waste seven hours doing that. Yeah. No, I can be at home with my baby. Yeah. You know, so I love that answer. Now, what were some of the major things that changed in your life, like your schedule? Like what, because I know you would get to work like at seven in the morning. So to do, be able to get to work at seven in the morning and stay there until the end of your day. Um, I remember that. Mm -hmm. So tell me, how did you, how did you incorporate other people so that you would have a support system so that you'd still be able to do that? Well, it, number one, it was a true partnership with Ryan, the mm -hmm. boy's dad, and we both made adjustments in our careers. And so even though it's interesting to me that you remember me being there that early, I wasn't there that early always. Okay. And so Ryan and I would trade off. So oh, some okay. days I would come in early, some days I would come in later. Some days he would go in early, some days he would go in later. Okay. And what we were able to do in effect was to really team up and on both ends of a day's schedule kind of chip away at that to the point where we only really needed care for the boys for four or five six hours a day wow. and we um, found a family out by where we live yes. a couple of young girls and they helped us during the day mm -hmm. and you know we vetted them out I had cameras in the house watching them for Absolutely. the first six months because I was so terrified back then mm -hmm. um, especially with Ben by the time Braden came along I was much more comfortable but mm -hmm. we had that same family with us all up until the time they were four or five years old. And then there was a small um, preschool six blocks down the street from our house, again, a family that we knew. Mm -hmm. And either I did early shift and Ryan did late or vice versa Okay. in the morning and in the afternoon. So basically we just had that middle part of the day. Um, I also went to my employer and said, I'm productive. Yes. What kind of work-life balance privileges can you allow me? 
Ryan did the same thing as a man. Mm -hmm. I'm a dad. What kind of work-life balance privileges will you allow me? Which is another reason we were so committed to our productivity because we wanted those privileges. So there were many days where I was able to work from home mm -hmm. with a, a VPN number, yes. calls forwarded to my house, a docking station. You know, I was as productive as home some days as, as being in the office, and Ryan did the same thing. So coming together like that, having a little bit of outside help, mm -hmm. and then also having really good employers yes. that were willing to say, yeah, you're, you are productive no matter where you are. I'm willing to grant you this privilege. Yeah, and I think that goes back to your work ethic and um, knowing that you can ask. Sometimes women don't even ask, and that is something that may be afforded to them. No, not at every job, but at some jobs, they might look at you know the work-life balance and say, hey, you can work four hours from home, or you can work two days from home, or whatever that is, but I think you make a valid point is we should at least ask. Exactly, and you're right. A lot of people are too afraid to ask, yes. um, and they shouldn't be. And I think that's changed a lot, though, in the last 20 years. I think the number of employers that are willing to be flexible like that mm -hmm. has significantly increased since 20 years ago. That's absolutely right. I believe that to be true because, you know, without that work-life balance, if, if everyone is at work and no one's taking care of the children, we, got a problem. we have a problem right. in 20 years. That's right. You know, really, 15 years, as soon as they become independent enough to get around on their own, if there's no, there's no flexibility and balance in the workplace. Yeah, that's so right. So you're right. Yeah. Now, you and your ex-husband are successfully co-parenting these young men. Mm -hmm. How did you manage to do that? Because a lot of people, it becomes this tug of war, and it becomes this thing, and you and Ryan don't have that. You guys co-parent. Both of your children were in sports and are still in sports. One, uh, Braden's still in sports, if I'm not. Yeah. Yeah. Is, yeah. So Braden's still in sports, and you guys attend all the games, and you, I mean, you function as a family, mm -hmm. you know? How do you successfully navigate something like that? Well, and again, it's not, I'm not, I don't want to make it sound easy, but we both believe that just because a relationship changes forms mm -hmm. doesn't mean that it needs to become hateful or antagonistic. And, and again, there were days that it was hard. Yes. We both had to process and accept the fact that we, were, we just weren't quite right for that type of relationship. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, there was no question in either one of our hearts that what mattered most were the boys. Yes. And, and I, I watch a lot of people kind of tear each other up when mm -hmm. they split up. And what that always translated to in our minds was, if I tear Ryan down, I'm mm -hmm. tearing down the father of my children. Right. If he tears me down, he's tearing down the mother of his children. That's right. Which then harms your kids. Yeah, because what does that say to the children? It, it, it says horrible things yes. to them. It makes them, it makes it more difficult for them to process a change in the relationship, and it's just sort of ugly. And so, we really committed ourselves to not doing that. And and I have to say again, it wasn't easy, mm -hmm. but. We're all people. We all have strengths and weaknesses. Um, the, the, the shift or the breakup of a relationship, I don't care who it is. It's never one person's fault. That's very true. It's, it's a little bit about the mix and mm -hmm. all kinds of other dynamics. Mm -hmm. So we committed ourselves to shifting the relationship, keeping the focus on how important it was for us, to, for the boys to grow up as healthy, decent, yes. well-adjusted men mm -hmm. who can then go in on to be husbands themselves, fathers themselves, employees themselves, 
and we didn't want to wreck them. Exactly. Yeah, because that's what happens a lot of times in marriages. And I like the way you put it, is that that type of relationship that you're in with this person may not be working anymore for whatever reason. But when you have these little people who are looking at both of you, you know, and saying, I love you both. You, yeah. you can't say that about my mom. You can't say that about my dad. That's right. You know, because what does that do to them inside? It, it, it tears them. Yeah. Right. Hurts. And we still have lots of occasions. We get together on holidays, the Super Bowl, you know, all kinds of things. And it took some while yeah. for the, the adjustment to be okay with everybody. And yes. there were harder days and easier days. But we really stayed committed on not being destructive to anybody mm -hmm. as best we could. Yeah, that's a great answer. Yeah, I like that. Now, your present work life, right? And so you're the vice president of the Western region for a very large bank that's centered in Chicago. Mm -hmm. And so, and your position is very male dominated especially being in the mortgage industry. Mm -hmm. And so how do you successfully manage that position? Because you've been doing this for a while. Well, it's, it's multifaceted and it's not easy. I think I want to treat men the way I would want men to treat me. So I don't want to, right out of the gate, start treating men adversely because they're men because that's what we as women complain about all the time right so I treat tend to treat people as individuals yes uh, having children forced me to get much better at delegation yes which generally speaking women tend to struggle with a little bit more than men mm -hmm. so I delegate much more I make sure I have good people around me yes. um, and I try to see the good, maximize the strengths in everyone, communicate, listen more than I talk, mm -hmm. assume going into things that people have good intentions, Yes. not take things personally, not make assumptions. At this stage of my life, if, if I feel offended by something that somebody's done, if, if a man at work has done something, rather than jump into a conclusion, especially a, a, a societal stereotype, mm -hmm. I have a tendency to go in and sit down and say, so this happened, I, I feel this way about it, mm -hmm. what, what did you mean by all of that? Yes. And I found that, gosh, 70, 80% of the time, what I thought was meant was, was not, not meant, meant at, at all. all. Yeah. And so just the communication and um, really trying to stay focused on being a good person and making space in my mind for other people to be a good person, yes. whether they're man or woman. Yeah, I, I like that because that balance, that not, assume, not assuming that one person is stereotypically this way, but having that opportunity to sit down. And I think, you know, when you sit down with the person, that gives them the ability to, to better communicate with you because they're sitting across from you now and it's just the two of you in the room. And I think they get an opportunity to just see you more human, mm -hmm. you know, and not as the title, but as a human being. And mm -hmm. I think that allows people to open up more yeah. and you can see better what it is that's troubling them. If it's something troubling them or understand where the misstep was. Exactly. Yeah. The other thing I don't do is I don't blame men for where we have collectively found ourselves as a society. I tend to not blame anybody. Uh -huh. I tend to feel like each one of us is just part of this huge fabric 
of humanity. Mm -hmm. And if I get hung up on blaming men for uh, anything, I think it just puts me right back in the worst state of mind I can possibly be in to affect any change or to make things better than they already are. Right? I agree. I totally agree. Now, do you think your background and the way you were raised has anything to do with your success? I do. Okay. I do. And as you know, uh, I had a fairly difficult upbringing. Mm -hmm. uh, my dad was a functioning alcoholic, drank himself to death, uh, lots of challenges, grew up with a lot of uh, violence in the home and, and things of that nature. So from a very young age, I learned how to survive. And when you do that at a very young age, it just becomes a way of life for That's very you. True. And the positives, you know, I've discussed this with my boys. Mm -hmm. you know, we talk about that kind of stuff now that they're older. They've both said to me, yeah, that sounded horrible, Mom, but we think it's probably part of why you're as strong as you are now. So it becomes something that's a, 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 a dichotomy. Yes. You know, some parts of it are really sad and, and you feel bad, but other parts of it strengthened me. And I'm grateful for that now. And so, yeah, it absolutely contributed. And I try and take the good from it mm -hmm. going forward. Um, clearly, I had an example of things that I didn't want to happen to my boys. Yes. So, for example, I, I went to 13 different schools by the time I graduated from high school. Wow. Which made me very social. I can talk to a tree. Right. Um, <laughs> I don't, didn't want that to happen to for my boys. Yes. So the boys have both lived in the same house since Ben was one and Braden was born. Mm -hmm. They've been in the same school district their entire lives. And that was done on purpose because yes. I didn't want them to have that experience. And so having had that experience benefited me, which now benefits them. And we're sort of passing it forward and hopefully disrupting the trajectory of my lineage yes. for the good. Absolutely. I agree with that. And I like that you said you took all of the things that went on and and created the positive out of those things and the things that went on created a strength in you and you identified that strength as being a way to, like you said, you can talk to anybody, you can talk to a tree because you went to 13 schools and that's difficult. I mean, for any child, it's traumatizing. As soon as you make friends, you're moving. Exactly. And then you make friends and you move again. So to correct that for the next generation is, I think, what all mothers, all women, all parents, male and female, want to do is create a different trajectory for their children. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, definitely. So now, what are some tips you have for women who are looking at the mortgage industry as a place to succeed in the corporate structure? What are some tips you would give a woman coming into the mortgage industry? go into it with the expectation of working hard mm -hmm. go into it not trying to be anybody but yourself yes listen deeply in meetings in rooms in one-on-one -on -one exchanges don't make assumptions don't go in with a chip on your shoulder even if you do run up against somebody that's not treating you respectfully uh, sort of just move around it because mm -hmm. I found it's easier, it doesn't matter as much yes. um, to people like that. And find the places where you can be of value. So I have a college degree, 
uh, but early in my career, I started to notice that the men in the room never could quite remember, generally speaking, what was discussed, what was agreed upon. We'd leave the room with a certain uh, number of things agreed upon that yes. would happen, and then we'd get back together in a week, and nobody remembered any of it, and yes. nothing got done. So I started writing everything down. Mm -hmm. Basically, I was being a secretary. I didn't care. And within a very short period of time, any group I'm in starts relying on my notes for, for what's going. You're absolutely right. So I had a choice. I could have seen that as being demeaning or degrading to me. Uh, I kind of flipped it around and said, yeah, I'm, I'm about almost in charge of this meeting now because I'm the only one that can remember or has documentation exactly right. for our strategic plan. Yes. So I became very strategic. Yes. Um, I'm not, I wasn't just sitting there to take notes. Mm -hmm. I was there, and then I learned that way. And so every person I met, whether they were male or female uh, or any type of person, I wanted to learn from them. Any room I'm in, I would really quite intentionally scan for who's the smartest, who's the most gifted, who's the most talented, who's the most accomplished, and if, if I could even just stand next to them and yes. listen to them and what they were all about. And if you do enough of this, you start to teach yourself what you need to do to be successful. And you, you need to prepare yourself constantly for that next step. So for example, even when it wasn't required mm -hmm. to come to work in a suit professionally, yes, I did. Yes, And, and I, I've had many conversations with women in particular, came to work looking, you know, not not professional, I don't mm -hmm. want to sound judgmental, but not professional, not there to present a certain professional demeanor. And I'd sit down and talk with them and say, you know, what are your goals? Because if right. your goals are to move forward in this organization, you have to look like that's what matters to you when yes. you show up here. And you have to add more value than what you're being paid, and then you're almost guaranteed forward growth and movement and success. I agree. And we've both seen that happen. Yeah. We've seen that happen. So, yeah, I agree. Now, since we're talking about successful rooms, now you are in the lead in some cases and also a participant in a lot of boardroom meetings. And um, just in my sitting down and chatting with successful women, that's a space that they don't necessarily feel comfortable with at first mm -hmm. because they... The word I've heard used is intimidation. And so what advice do you give women in those meetings? You know, you gave a lot of it, like, you know, sit next to, talk to, get to know the person and the characteristics in the room, you know, take your own notes, you know, don't feel offended by that. But what else would you say is a way of being successful in the boardroom? One of the things that helped me is I played a lot of sports as a kid, mm -hmm. and I came up during a time where there was this big focus on if you're a girl and you want to play on the boys' baseball team, you should be allowed to. So for a long time, I played on the boys' baseball team when I was a little girl. Okay. That works until you're about 12, 13, 14, and then the disparity becomes too significant, and you got to play on your girls' team. Yeah. But for a long time, I was involved in sports with boys. Mm -hmm. I think that's part of why that doesn't bother me quite as much as it may other people. Yes. But even irrespective of that, I think you have to just really dial into the fact that men are different than women. Mm -hmm. Men are not women. Women are not men. 
men have a different way of communicating. They have a different physiology. They were socialized differently in the world. Yes. And so there's certain things that they tolerate and handle differently or better, depending on how you look at it, than we do, and vice versa. Mm -hmm. So again, in those meetings, I tend to individualize. And in a group of 10 people, there's usually several who are good men. Uh, several are just there, focused. You know, there's, if there's one or two challenging personalities in the mm -hmm. room well that's sort of the way it goes right um i'm there to get things done i'm there to comp contribute i'm going to turn the other cheek i'm going to rise above it because in the instances where i approached it any other way it did no good mm -hmm. yeah and I, i'm not sitting in that room being a woman i'm sitting in that room being a contributing factor to what's going on i'm thinking while i'm there hopefully you're less focused on my gender than what I bring to the table yes. and I'm less focused on your gender than what you bring to the table and so I try to stay in that mindset it's not always possible but I think that's helpful and I think that also if you'll take that first step in eliminating the gender focus in the room I think it actually causes the men to feel a little bit more comfortable around you mm -hmm. because as much as we might feel intimidation men feel you know, their own sets of concerns being around women. Yes. You know, it's one of the reasons why, honestly, I don't think that women should be on football fields. You know, that's where I kind of draw the line. Mm -hmm. Because if a woman's on a football field, first of all, that's very challenging for her. It's really hard for the men. Yes. Because they're socialized not to hurt women. Yes. And now here you are, you're on my football field. That, I, I just feel, has got to be pretty rough. So I think empathy and consideration for everyone and treating people on an individual basis because yes. there's good women and bad women you know again I hate to sound so judgmental but and there's good men and, and bad men right there's good and bad everything that's right I agree yeah. I agree I kind of figured you had that answer yeah. yeah I like that answer though um I'm sure stress is prevalent in your line of business what are some things that you what does wellness mean to you well, first of all, it's absolutely critical, and I've had those periods of time where I've ignored it, and then I start to pay the price. Yes. You know, so I've, I've gone through uh, a couple of illnesses mm -hmm. uh, over the years and managed to get to the other side of them, so wellness today is even more important than it's ever been. I think it starts, for me, with faith in God, yes. gratitude. You know, being grateful no matter what's going on, mm -hmm. there's just something to that. Yes. Um, because I think anybody at any given point in time can be grateful. Um, slowing down, I think a lot of the stress that goes on for anybody is up here in our minds. Mm -hmm. um, and meditation, you hear about meditation and yoga and, yes. and deep breathing. Breathing's a big deal, all that kind of stuff. You have to stay really committed to it. Eating right, exercising, getting massages, taking a walk. Uh, I think it's a it's a continuous um, effort to keep yourself balanced if you're going full speed ahead professionally or personally. Yeah, and it and for women, I tell them please be kind to yourself. That self yeah self, self care yes, and kindness. Kind I yourself. just had a conversation with somebody last night and. Um, that point came up and it was with women and you know we're all very successful and accomplished but that doesn't mean that there's not going to be a day this week that I'm not going to feel real good exactly and I got to allow that 
give myself yes. permission to not feel good mm-hmm. or to feel frustrated or sad or whatever it might be and to sort of walk through that feeling and have enough care and respect for myself to yes. be at peace with that occurring and, and not do something up on about myself. it exactly and do something about it don't ignore it right right yeah so what are some of your favorite personal care practices because i have some favorites <laughs> Yeah, I do too. I, I Lately, eating right has become one of my favorites only because I've seen such a significant impact on my physiology, my mindset, my overall well-being with mm-hmm. eating right. So that's become a favorite even though it's not necessarily something fun. Right. But in today's world, you know, you got Whole Foods and all these fun things out there. That's and, right. You know, it, it's, 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 it's a little bit of a hobby. Um, I love massages. I do too. I just love massages. Yes. And if I go get a massage over the weekend, it... The world is a better place. Yes. <laughs> yes. I love a massage. I yeah. know. You know, it's yeah. funny. I went last week and got a massage. And while I was laying there, I was like, why did you wait so long? Yeah. You know? Yeah. Be kind to yourself. Do what you tell other women to do. Be kind to yourself, right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, and human connection. Mm-hmm. The other thing that I can get real guilty of real quickly is being with myself. Okay. You know, being productive or being with my boys. But having time to be in connection with other women, other yes. men. Um, I know any time that I see you, I feel like I've had a chance to connect with somebody mm-hmm. at a real genuine level, yes. and that's very healing. And we know there's something to that. There really is. So people have to continue to come together in yeah. communities, even if they're small, and support one another. Yes. Because any one of us trying to do any of this alone makes it rough. Yeah. yeah, rough. We need each other. We really, really do. Because a lot of times you and I, being friends, we get in conversations and we'll say, still to this day, we've known each other like 20 years, right? And we'll say, I feel the same way. Yeah. You know, or like, wow, that made me feel better. Thank you for saying that. You know, because we do, we get in these silos, especially with here in Southern California, where things are such, there's such a distance between people, you know, mm-hmm. you may only live 40 miles away, but it takes two hours to get there, Yeah, you know, so people kind of get into these little silos, especially when they can work from home, you know, they, it's just not as easy or as attractive yeah. to get together, but it's so necessary. It is. It's so necessary just for our own growth, mental stimulation in another area, or peace of mind. Yeah. Right? And it contributes to your, your wellness. Overall wellness, yeah. yeah. Now, have you had coaches and mentors along the way? And if so, how did that help? Oh, absolutely, and it's been invaluable. Yeah. And if not for those mentors and coaches... I wouldn't be where I am today. Yes. And so that's, again, going back to getting into a room, figuring out who who can I model myself after. And so I've had male and female uh, mentors in the business, mm-hmm. in my personal life, yes. my entire life. Uh, I did some uh, professional coaching last year for several months. Mm-hmm. I'll probably start something like that up again soon. But that's always very, very helpful. And what I find most helpful about it is you can get to a place in your own mind 
where you have a certain perspective on things. Yes. And what a coach or a mentor can do is show you a different way of looking at something. Mm-hmm. That you, it's, it's that forest for the trees kind of a thing. Yes. You, you're so in your own mind about something that the help from a coach or a mentor is that it helps you see other perspectives, yes. which can then help you to shift where you need to go to rise above something or go to the next level on something that's important to you. So absolutely, sounding board aspect of that is invaluable too. Absolutely, I remember talking to a coach that um, is a good friend of mine, and he said, just think about the coach on that if you have someone in your ear who can see where you're going, and they say, okay, go left, go right, you're not stuck, move back, take a moment, listen to this, look at that. Mm-hmm. You know, it kind of gives you a perspective where you can, like you said, maneuver around some things or step over, you know, to get to that next level or that next step forward because you have someone who is not you watching you or listening to you and helping you make those decisions or just give you another perspective. And they're more objective because yes. they're outside of you. The other thing I will share because, uh, I haven't seen a lot of people do this, and I've had a lot of people think it was a little weird, but I'm telling you it's helpful, is from very, very young, either with professors or bosses. Mm -hmm. I'll go in about once a month and sit down, ask for a few minutes, and say, what are you unhappy about with me? Mm -hmm. What did I do this month to piss you off? Yes. And what do you need me to do differently? And I've had a lot of people look at me and say, are you insane? Why are you asking me this? <laughs> but what I have noticed professionally mm-hmm. for 25 years is that people sit in a room and talk about an issue with someone who's not in the room, mm-hmm. but then they're afraid to tell that person directly right. from, a, from a place of uh, empathy and care. Mm-hmm. You know, we're not here to uh, be destructive, right. but telling someone directly what they need to do better on, what they're doing that's bothering you, what they're doing that's missing the mark, is a gift. It's a constructive gift. It's a gift. Yes. Because what I do see happen a lot professionally is no one tells you, no one tells you, no one tells you, you're fired. Right. You're shocked. That's a disservice to someone. That's absolutely So I just decided at a pretty young age... I'm sure there's got to be something I'm doing wrong because I'm human. Right. And you're not going to tell me unless I force it out of you. <laughs> right. And if I force it out of you, then I know and That's then right. I can go and do better. And that empowered me because sometimes it's hard to see yourself That's very as true. other people see you. Mm-hmm. We all have a tendency in a conflict situation to be so filled with what you did to me that it almost uh, blinds you to what I did to you right? from your perspective. Mm-hmm. And I need to hear that. And if you and I can get to a place where there's a place of safety where that exchange can occur, yes. oh gosh, it's so much better for everybody involved. Could you imagine if the entire world were that way? It would be, it's genius. Yeah, well, we'd just, we'd all be a lot better off. Yes, a lot Because both off. people on both sides of that exchange end up, end up in a better position the majority of the time. That's right. The majority of the right. time. And I think it takes away from defensiveness. I think that people become less defensive yeah. when, in, like you said, in a respectful environment, you know, you're, t- you, you're asking the question, so you want the information. And so for you to receive that information, it's easier to take 
than for you to wander around through life not knowing what you could be doing that's causing setbacks for you in your life. Yeah, and yeah. you're empowered once and you have empowered. that information, even though, and there were days where I drive home with a tear in my eye because <laughs> right. I got flat out told, you know, this thing over here that you're doing, that ain't working for me, mm -hmm. and, it, and it hurts, but come on, you can survive it. Right. Then you wake up in the morning and you say to yourself, well, how can I shift? How can I do that differently? Definitely. How can I do it better? And now I'm stronger. That's right. Now I'm clear. Now I'm empowered. Yes. Now that leads to my next question. So perseverance after a setback. Most of us have experienced setbacks, but what advice would you give someone who's going through it? Give yourself a period of time, whether it's five minutes, five hours, five days. Give yourself a period of time mm -hmm. to grieve. Okay. Grieve. And then stop. And, and move on. Move on. Yes. And get up and get going. Yes. No matter what it is. Yes. It, 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 you know, it, 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 you may not get right back to where you want to be immediately, mm -hmm. but the greatest danger to me lies in staring at what became a closed door because you do nothing but feel worse and worse and worse and worse about That's yourself. Right. And at the same time, though, you have to acknowledge the, the grief or the loss, yes. whatever the situation might be, mm -hmm. and honor it. Because it's part of life. That's right. So honor that disappointment, honor that failure, and then go. There's a Chinese proverb uh, that I, uh, Ryan taught me years ago that says, uh, fall down seven times, get up eight yes. times. Yeah. You just got to keep, keep, just keep, keep going. on keeping on. Now, what are three tips you would give a woman who is trying to figure it all out? Listen, 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 <laughs> keep an open mind. Yes. Keep an open mind. And don't let other people tell you who you are. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yes. Lynette, what's next for you? What are some things that you want to accomplish moving forward? I want to make a difference in other people's lives. Yes. Uh, the, the industry that I'm in has been shockingly good to me. Uh, we also grew up pretty poor at mm -hmm. one, one or two points in my life. We were on food stamps. Um, my, my stretch goals coming out of school was to uh, have a car that didn't break down Yes. and to be able to go out to eat once a month. Okay. Uh, those were my stretch goals. Those were your stretch goals. <laughs> yeah, when I was about 19 years old. And so to be sitting here on Wilshire Boulevard in Los Angeles, California with you in this beautiful, fancy office, yes. you, you couldn't have convinced me. So I want to now take those blessings that yes. were provided to me and extend them out to other people. Uh, obviously, I'm doing this with my sons yes. so that they can be a positive force uh, because the more positive forces we have in the universe, whatever you want to call it, the better our collective humanity is going to be. Absolutely. Because the danger is, is if we reach a tipping point, go in the wrong direction. That's absolutely it's, right. It's sort of the risk of lights out for all of us. Yeah. So those of us who have been treated well need mm -hmm. to turn around and treat others well quickly yes. and, and get this message out and pass it forward, pay it forward. Isn't that what they call it? Yeah, paying yeah. it forward. Yeah. You know what? Always sitting down with you, whether it's over lunch, 
over dinner or in this conversation is always a pleasure. You too, Charlene. And I want to thank you so much for making time in your schedule to sit down with Girl Talk and, and give us this wonderful wisdom. So thank you. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. Of course. Ooh, Girl Talk community, this has been a great one. I hope you were listening up. Lynette is a successful mom, vice president at a major bank, and she has some tips for us today. So I want to thank you again for listening to Girl Talk, and we'll see you soon.